I'd like to share with you this evening something that I've entitled Healing for All. And you can see that on the screen right now. Healing for all, meaning that uh, healing is not just for a select group of people. Healing is not just for good people or religious people or even just for Christians. Healing is for all. Not all receive it, but it is available to everybody. And I want to share some scriptures with you tonight, and specifically those that are not born again, for specifically for those that are not saved, whether here in the room or whether you're watching uh, this, this, uh, this video today. Uh, you know, after 30 years of preaching in different parts of the world and mainly in Canada, I've seen lots of people over the years that, that are of other religions that are completely opposed to Christianity. But when they get sick enough, all of a sudden, and they've tried their gods, and they've tried their religion, and they've tried their tradition, and they've tried their rituals, and they've tried their rites and ceremonies, and nothing works. It's amazing how they open up their hearts that maybe there's another option to them. And that other option, my brothers and sisters, and my friends, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because He really is the only one that can satisfy the longing of the human soul and can put healing in our bodies to replace sickness. I want to read you first. I want to take you on a short journey this evening and let you you see how, how we know that Jesus is the healer. And of course, there's many scriptures. There's many, many, many scriptures I could give, but I'm only just going to give a few as the way I feel led in my heart to do it this evening. And every time I preach something like this, it would come out a little bit different, but this is the fingerprint for this evening. So I'd like you to look with me, for those of you that are with me in the room, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, please. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus, everywhere he went, he preached this message. I know it's only listed once in the New Testament in Luke 4, 18, but I'll show you another scripture in a second which indicates that this message was preached at least one time in every synagogue and every location that Jesus went if he hadn't been there before. And the reason he preached this is because he wanted people to understand, I have an anointing on my life, and if you will believe, that anointing can heal you. And that's not self-promotion. That is promoting the power of God that was on him. And of course, no human being can heal a fly. I can't heal anybody. I can't heal anything. I can't do anything. I have no power to do that. But the power of Jesus that flows through human beings can do amazing things. And so as Jesus was saying, I'm anointed, I want you to know that if you're sick today, even if you're not a Christian, that there is an anointing that God put on my life to help you. Because God saw you even before I saw you, even before you watched this video today or you watched this live stream. God saw you and he saw your need and he made a provision for your need. He puts an anointing on somebody to help you and that person, there's many of us in the world, there's many even in this room, but that person at this moment for you is me. And I'm not promoting myself, but I am promoting the power of God. The power of God is what does the work, not a human being. And so Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord or the Holy Ghost is upon me because he has anointed me. See, he, he promoted the anointing. He didn't promote himself. He promoted the power of God. And because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, number one, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, number two, to preach deliverance to the captives, number three, recovery of sight to the blind, number four, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I have a whole teaching on this that takes an hour. I'm not going to share that whole teaching that takes an hour, but just in 30 seconds to give you a very simple approach. And of course, if I had more time, I could break it down into the original languages. This is a quote. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and 2 because these same words are found in Isaiah 61 1 and 2. So Jesus is opening the book to Isaiah 61 1 and 2 and he is basically preaching what Isaiah said in, in this synagogue where he's at in Luke 4 18. And he's telling people I'm anointed. What am I anointed to do? And there's four main categories that the anointing will help. I'm anointed to help those that are financially struggling. Not just poor spiritually, but those that are financially, that word in the original means those that are in poverty, actually below the poverty line. Those that are basically, uh, they, need, they need handouts just to survive. So the, he's saying the gospel, to preach the gospel to the poor, I'm anointed to help those that are financially destitute and the gospel can fix their thinking about money and cause them to get into an abundant flow. Then he said, I'm come to heal the brokenhearted. And again, I don't have time to explain it, but this word brokenhearted is 
is all about emotional, the emotional realm. Those that are broken and hurting emotionally. God cares about the emotional realm. It's not just the physical realm. This is mental torment. This is those kind of things where people in their soul or their mind are broken. And he's saying the anointing is on me to help your finances and the anointing is on me to help your mind and your soul. Because a lot of people have issues there that they need healing on. Then he says the next statement, to preach deliverance to the captives. If you study that carefully, it means those that are completely taken over by the devil, literally demon-possessed. It's not referring to oppression. It's talking about those people that are completely, they're out of their mind. They are completely possessed and given over to the power of hell. And Jesus is saying there is hope for those people because the anointing on me can set those people free. And the fourth category, really, it's the next statement is not a category. Recovery of sight to the blind is not a categorical statement. It's a simple factual statement that he's saying because the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, the primary sign of the Messiah would be that he would bring sight to physical blind eyes. So Jesus is referencing this one specific. Notice the other, the other are kind of general, but then this is a specific one area about blindness. He's saying that because he's basically saying, I am the Messiah. And just as you've been looking for the recovery of sight for the blind, that's a sign of the Messiah. I am the Messiah, and so I'm going to bring recovery of sight to the blind. It is a reference to physical healing, but it's specifically about that Messiahship that he's referring to. So there's really four categories, not five, if you want to look at it that way. And the last one is to set at liberty or to set free or to send out free those that are bruised. Now that word bruised, if you study it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it literally means oppressed, and it includes all all forms of physical, all forms of physical, whether it's demonically inspired or just, just natural sickness, all forms of sickness. And so this fourth category represents every type of sickness, cancer, and whether it's a demon spirit or whether it's just, just you know, muscles and, 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 those, and you know, tissues and, and masses and growths, it, whether, regardless of the origin, whether it's demonic or not demonic, any kind of sickness or disease is covered in this word oppression. And so Jesus is basically saying, the anointing is on me because I have power. God's given me power to help you if you'll believe. But the people had to believe. If the people didn't believe, it wouldn't benefit them. He's saying, I've got an anointing to help you financially, to help you emotionally, to help you with demonic problems and to help you with any physical problem, any kind of oppression of sickness. I'm here to help you. Jesus honored and constantly talked about the anointing. Because he knew that he couldn't do anything in and of himself. Because Jesus, while he was the son of God in heaven, the Bible says he divested himself of his kingly authority. He didn't come as the son of God. He did not minister as the son of God. He ministered as a human being under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the prophet's office and the apostle's office and the evangelist and pastors and teachers, but primarily the prophet's office. He was ministering as a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just like we minister today. He didn't have some special power because the Bible clearly said he emptied himself when he came in the form of a human being. He wasn't ministering with some heavenly dominion that is that that we don't have access to. He was ministering as a man. He was completely reliant on the Holy Spirit and that anointing, he needed that anointing just like we do. If the Holy Spirit didn't anoint him, he couldn't help anybody. And if you notice, all 30 years, he didn't help anybody. There was no healings recorded. And then as soon as the Spirit came on him in the form of a dove at the River Jordan, and then he goes out and fast 40 days, and it says the Spirit of God came on him mightily, and he came in the power of the anointing, and then he started healing people. Why? He couldn't heal people before the anointing came on him. He needed that anointing, and we need that anointing. And if you're sick, you need that anointing. The question is, how do you get it? Well, you can either call on God yourself if you believe and he can deal it directly to you, or you can get around somebody who has that anointing and believe that that anointing on their life can be transmitted into your life. And God can do it that way. So I said he preached that everywhere. Have a look, please, with Acts with me in the book of Acts chapter, Acts chapter 10 and verse 37, please. Acts chapter 10, and we've got scriptural reference here. And it says that word... I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with John, which John preached. What word? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. What word? This verse 38 is a summary of Luke 4, 18. This is a summary statement that Jesus gave four categories 
in Luke 4, and now he's summarizing it. This is Peter preaching to the first unsaved group. Actually, this is to the unsaved. Mm. This is Cornelius' household, the Roman household, and this is the first people that ever were un, 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 non-Jewish people that ever got born again. And he's preaching to unsaved people. And he's giving the summary, and he's saying how God anointed. This message, this summary, this message in verse 38 was preached everywhere. And it started in Galilee after John's baptism. Well, what happened with John's baptism? Jesus was baptized. He came out from the wilderness into Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and he started preaching. This message he preached everywhere. Amen. What was the message? Luke 4, 18. What is the summary? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about not doing bad, but doing good to all, not some, but all. And if you're sick tonight, I'm telling you, he wants to do good to all people, not just a favorite few. Even if you don't know him, even if you're not born again, he still loves you. He died for you. And he wants to heal you because he wants to do good to all. He wants to do good to all who are oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. We see here that sickness equals an oppression of the devil. So to get out of your mindset that God puts sickness on you to teach you something or that sickness comes from God or that it's holy to be sick, that is unscriptural and that is demonic. Jesus did good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So if you're sick, you're oppressed of the devil. Remember, he said, I've come to set loose, send forth as free those that are bruised or oppressed of the devil. So every bit of sickness that is in the world is an oppression of the devil. And you've got to understand if you're sick that the devil has put his dirty claws on you. God didn't put that sickness on you. Jesus didn't author that pain that you're going through. And if some religious person tells you that, you tell him to shut up and shut up quick. Because it'd be better for you to, better for you to go swim in the sewer than to listen to some preachers that try to teach you that God put something on you to teach you something or that it's holy to be sick and broke down and beaten up. No, Jesus did good to all who were oppressed of the devil and he healed them. Why? Because the anointing was with him. Because God was with him. I want you to know very simply that Jesus was about, he was about his father's business and everywhere he went he's telling people, I'm, I'm anointed to help you and I'll do good to you if you'll believe, if you'll just believe I'll help you. I'll just help you if you just believe it that God's anointed me and that anointing will come into you. If you'll believe I'll pray for you and, and I'll transmit that healing power. That's what Jesus was saying everywhere. And some people believed. Many people believed. And then some people didn't believe. In Nazareth there were some folks that refused to believe because they knew him. You're the, you're the carpenter's son. Who do you think you are? All these fancy stories. You see, they got offended with him and they couldn't believe. And the Bible says that nothing much happened there. But the other people that didn't know him and weren't familiar and weren't offended, they said, if you say that, and we hear all these stories about people being raised from the dead and demons coming out and people being, that are sick being healed, well, then I believe too. And Jesus says, according to your faith, be it unto you. And they would get healed. And today it's the same thing. Just because time has passed doesn't mean anything's changed in the kingdom of God. That anointing is still here. Jesus might be in heaven, but he sent people, he, he, he sent offices to the earth and he put human beings in those ministry offices and he said, go and preach. And then with certain people, he anoints them differently than other people. And he says, now every Christian is anointed. Every Christian can do it. But God puts special anointings on certain offices to say, go and minister that healing power. But just like Jesus had to get them to believe it, we have to get people to believe it. You don't have to understand it. You just have to believe it. Amen. Understanding and believing are very different things. I don't even understand exactly how the power of God does what it does, but I just know that it does because I've seen it happen in hundreds of lives. Amen. Praise God. So what we're looking for is people to believe. Amen. Kenneth Hagin, who was like a spiritual father to many of us, was caught away in September 2nd, 1950. God took him to heaven in an out-of-body experience. And of course, everything that he said lined up with the scripture. We don't go with visions, but we go with the Bible. But what he said lined up with the Bible. And Jesus spent uh, some time with him talking to him about the healing ministry that he was going to have on the earth in heaven. And I want to just read uh, just a couple paragraphs of what Jesus said so that people can understand a little bit more. I've said it from the Bible, but they, it would help people to understand a bit more what Jesus himself said to Kenneth Hagin in heaven because it illustrates this and makes it a little bit simpler to understand. Are you there? Are you with me? 
and so at one point he said, stretch out your hands and kneel before me. And he did so. And, and, and Jesus laid his right hand on his head and he said these words, I have called you and have anointed you and have given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. And then he said, stand upright on your feet. Now, I can't read the whole thing and take too long, but then Jesus began to explain how the healing power of God works. And it works in different flows. It's not all the same flow. And there's a kind of flow where the, by the gifts of the Spirit, it's, it's irrelevant whether the person has faith or not because God chooses that flow and all of a sudden that power will just flow whether the person believes or not. But God chooses that. So we can't count on that because God's the one that chooses when that happens. So Jesus spent some time explaining to him how that flow works called the gifts of the Spirit. But then he also spent time explaining to him how another kind of flow works, which is not based on God's choosing. See, God can just pour power on people at will if he wants to based on his judgment of their life and if he feels that they're worthy of that and and there's a lot of factors that he takes into account that no human being can fully understand or grasp. But God makes that decision, not us. But that's as God wills. So that's kind of on his timetable, on his agenda. But there's another flow of healing that is not as God wills, so to speak. It is as the person wills, meaning a person can release their faith and can say, Father, go God, whether you're a Christian or not, you can release faith and you can say, I believe in that anointing to come in and heal my body. And to the measure that that person has faith or believes is the measure that that anointing will flow through a minister into them. And it's not based on on the gifts of the Spirit, meaning God is choosing to do it whether the person believes or not as a gift to them, because that's as He wills. But this other flow is based on their faith. If they can believe, they can get healed on their timetable. It's not a matter of God holding anything back. There are certain flows that have to come as God wills, but there's other flows that will come as you will. And if you can believe, God's power will meet you. And I wish, I know we're we're speaking to unsaved people this evening as well as Christians, but I wish some of the congregation members in my church would would get a revelation of this more. Because if you can believe as a Christian, as well as unsaved people believing, if you can believe the power of God can flow into you, But you have to believe that there's an anointing on somebody and that you can lay hold on that and say, Father, let that power come into me. Let me read you a little little excerpt of this. I I just read that one tiny part, but I want to read you this a little bit more. Uh, Jesus said to Brother Hagin in heaven, he said to him about his ministry, Jesus' ministry. He talked a bit about how God, God willed healing by the gifts. But then he starts explaining this other flow that comes by people having faith. And he said, I also had another aspect of my ministry. I was anointed with healing power. Now for people to be healed this way, Jesus said, they have to have faith. Did you notice with the woman with the issue of blood that I said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Did you notice that I said in Mark 6, 6, that I marveled at their unbelief or their lack of faith. But you'll always manage to get a few healed this way. This having faith will work when nothing else will. Even when you don't feel anything, even when the gifts of the Spirit and God's choosing not to manifest himself in a dramatic way, if people can just believe, you can always get people healed if they'll just believe. Because it's a flow of, it's one way that God heals humans. If they'll just believe. Praise God. Now, uh, let me keep going for a second here. He said, uh, Mark 6, 6 says that I went about their cities and villages teaching, quote unquote. Every, this is Jesus speaking, every synagogue I went into, I did teach other things. Now, don't misunderstand me, but what do you think I taught in those synagogues? He said, every single one of them, I had that same message. First, I'd read from the book of Isaiah, and then I'd teach them that I'm anointed. And whether there was any manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit or not, whether God willed or not, from that perspective, you see, if they would just believe, then when I would lay my hands on them and minister to them, I would transmit God's healing power. 
I've anointed you, he said to Kenneth Hagin, with that same healing power. So you go tell people just exactly what I've told you today. Tell them you saw me. Tell them I've appeared to you. Tell them I laid the finger of my right hand in the palm of each of your hands. Tell them you feel the healing power in your hands. Tell them that I've told you what I've told you to tell them. And if they will believe that you are anointed, just like if I could have got folks in my hometown of Nazareth to believe that I was anointed, more would have happened. Because the Bible says he only was able to heal a few people with minor ailments because they just wouldn't believe. But he said, if you can get them to believe that you're anointed, if they will believe that, that you're anointed with healing power and will receive that anointing, when you lay your hands on them, that anointing will flow from your hands into their body and will drive out their sickness or disease and will affect a healing and a cure. There is a flow of healing that is very, very simple, and it's not as God wills, so to speak. There are certain flows that are as if God wills. But there are other flows, which I'm focusing on tonight, whether God, whether God is just pouring things out as gifts to people or not. Anybody can be healed if they'll just believe. And why though it says that faith comes or believing comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God being preached. So if people are listening to my preaching tonight, I'm not the best preacher in the world, far from it. That's not the point. The point is if I'm preaching the word to you, a faith will start to rise up in your heart. And even if you're not a Christian and even if you're of another religion and even if you are far from God and you don't know nothing about the covenants of promise, if you can just listen to the word, it will cause faith to start coming up in your and that faith gives you an ability to believe to believe whether you understand it or not whether your mind is fighting you or not whether your emotions can comprehend it or not it's just a simple childlike heart believing that says if God's anointed him and God said that I can be healed if I'll believe that anointing can flow out of him and into me in fact if you believe enough that anointing can flow right from heaven directly into your body in any place you are whether there's a preacher present or not whether somebody prays for you or not if you'll just believe God his power can meet you in any hospital room, in any hotel room, in any sick room, in any well room. It doesn't matter where you are, in the Antarctic with the penguins or in Africa with the lions. Anywhere you are, because God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once by the Holy Ghost. And any person, anywhere that says, God, I believe, it can receive that healing power. Even unsaved people. I'm telling you. You say, well, why would God do it to unsaved people? Well, for Christians, we have covenant rights because we're washed by the blood of Jesus. So we have, that flow will operate stronger with us. But an unbeliever that doesn't know God, that still calls out to God and says, I believe, help me. God can still bypass all their thinking, all their other religious thinking, and he can meet them or a minister if, they, if they're around a minister, if they can believe in that anointing on my life or on another minister's life, and they can believe when, that, when those hands are laid on them or that prayer is offered for them, and they can believe that power can flow into them. And even if they don't have a minister, they can just say, Lord, I believe. Even if they're not saved, just to see if God will do it. And God will many times do it because they believe. And that's why Mark, the last verse, the last verse, Mark 16, verse 20, the very last verse of the whole book of Mark, it says, and God did signs and wonders. He confirmed the word that was preached was signs and wonders. And sometimes when the word is preached, even with an unsaved person, God, somebody who's not a Christian, not born again, God will confirm what the preacher said just by healing them even though they're not a Christian, just to show them that he loves them, just to show them that he's good, just to show them that he's merciful. He'll confirm what's preached with miracles and healings and signs and wonders just to show. You know, Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God, not the punishment, not the hardness, not the justice. It's the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God that leads people to repentance. And so God loves to heal unsaved people, people that are not Christians. He loves to heal them. He loves to help them because he's showing them, I love you. I'm good to you. I'm merciful to you. And look, let me show you how much I'm just going to heal you. Now will you turn your heart? Obviously, God would expect after he heals an unsaved person that their gratitude would be displayed to him and that they would receive him as their savior and get saved. But God often heals people, whether they get saved or not, just to show them on record how much he loves them. 
and that he's not mad at anybody. God's told you, people have told you that God's mad at you, they're liars. God is mad at sin. You understand? But God took all the sin of humanity, past sin, present sin at the time of Jesus, and future sin, which includes today, October 13th, 2021, and all the sin that will ever be committed, ever, in the future. He took all sin from humanity, past, present, and future, and he put it all on Jesus. He poured that judgment and that wrath and that, and that punishment for sin on Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus paid for that sin, he paid for every human being forever, which means God couldn't be mad at anybody because his madness, if you want to put it that way, his judgment, his anger, his wrath was poured on Jesus. Jesus Jesus paid it. Now every other human being, no matter how rotten they are, no matter how sinful they are, he's not mad at them. Now, if they don't repent and come into his kingdom, they can't come live with them. They're going to go to hell because that sin will keep them out of heaven. But he's paid the price for that sin. He's not mad at them. All they have to do is say, Lord, all the stuff I've done wrong, you already put it on Jesus for me. He already paid it for me. I've already got a free pass. All I have to do is say, I agree. So I say, Jesus, I agree. Thank you for taking it for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my sickness. I receive you. Be my savior. I want to know you. I want to be your son. And all of a sudden, all that sin that was already put on Jesus, but even though that person has committed it, he already paid the price, but then God's power and his blood washes all that away and they become whiter than the whitest snow and their eternity is set forever in heaven. He's not mad at anybody. He loves people and he wants to help people and he wants to save people and he wants to forgive people and he wants to heal people. Whether you're sinner or saint, he wants to heal you. Whether you're religious or not, he wants to heal you. I want to give you some examples of people. I said, if you can believe, if you can believe, the power of God can meet you. Don't matter where you're from, how old you are, how rich you are, the color of your skin, what part of the country you live in, what part of the world you live in. It doesn't matter how many things you've done wrong. It doesn't matter how many times you've cursed God. It doesn't matter how, many, how much you're in disagreement with certain preachers or this or that or whatever. None of that matters. What matters is that if you can hear the word and faith can come and you can say, I believe God's power can meet you no matter where you're at, no matter how bad it is. If they've given you up to die, there's always hope. And I've heard people say over the years, your God only does things for a special group of people that he likes. No, he loves everybody. He will do it for anybody that has faith. Whether you're a saint or a sinner, if you have faith, even a little bit of faith, he'll heal you. He doesn't have favorites. He'll heal anybody if they'll just believe. This lady here. Can we read it together? Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. If you're listening and you don't have a Bible, don't you worry not one little bit about it. I'm just going to read it to you. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship into the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years, that bleeding would not stop. And eventually it would kill you. You can imagine how painful it was, how much money she's lost, how much weak she's emancipated. She's, she's, she's got her iron level. All, everything is devastated. The strength is gone. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. And thank God for doctors, they help a lot of people, but sometimes they reach their limit. And sometimes the disease is so ravaging, all their good intentions and all the technology of today just can't help. And you need God. And if you don't have God, you're not going to make it. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about that are watching. And when she had heard of Jesus, what did she? She heard of Jesus. She heard the word. Jesus is the word. And when you hear the word, faith comes. She heard of Jesus and, and she came in the press, the crowd behind him, and touched his garment. For she had said in herself, if I can but touch his clothes, I shall be healed. See, she believed and she said, I believe that if I can get to that anointing, I'll be healed. 
And she cast off all restraint because if they caught her in Jewish law as a woman with that condition, she was unclean, they would have stoned her to death. She was risking her life. She was all in, so to speak. And when God saw that kind of faith that you're all in, he said, he's going to answer you. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the crowd thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. This is a lady that believed. She believed so much she was willing to risk her life for it. I'm telling you, it always amazes me. People will pull out all the stops to get to the chemotherapy appointment. They won't miss that for all the money in the world. But you have a healing service, they don't show up. You know why? Because they believe more in the doctors than in the power of God. And that's that's the condition of our darkened society. But when you really believe and you're willing to put effort to it and put action to it and show God that you believe, anything's possible. If you're sick, you don't have to die. I'm not giving you false hope. If you're sick and there's no hope, there is still hope. The doctors just don't know the kind of hope I'm talking about because they are physicians and they are good physicians. But the Bible calls Jesus a great physician. He is greater than all modern technology combined because his power is limitless. And if they've said there's no hope, there is hope. If you can believe, it's not hard. Don't complicate it. It's a simple childlike trust. Praise God. There's another person. His name was Bartimaeus. I don't know who would name their son Bartimaeus. But anyway, Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. I want to read you this because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as I'm reading the scriptures, the people that are listening, faith is starting to blossom in their hearts. And it came, they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus, see, he heard Jesus, he heard the word. Faith came because he heard the word. The Bible says Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word of God, the living form of the word is Jesus. When he heard of Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, now this is very important, he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. As a beggar in that society, the government issued you a garment, a beggar's garment. If you didn't have that and they caught you begging, they put you in prison. The only way that he could survive was with that government issued beggar's garment. And by throwing it away, he's blind. He can't find it. And that was a valuable garment because other people could pick that up and then go and, and go make extra money on it and fake it like they're blind. Do you understand? When he cast it away, he was casting away every chance. If he didn't get healed, he would die of starvation. This man was all in. See, these examples in the scripture, God's giving us examples of these people, the woman and him, because they had great trust in God. So much that they were willing to risk dying over it. Can you believe? And Jesus answered and said, what will that I should do for you. And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Praise God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. I know many of you know this, but some of the folks watching don't. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, There came unto him a centurion, that's a Roman uh, commander, an unsaved man, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And if I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, he comes. And to my servant, do this, he does it. 
And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. This man had great faith because he understood authority. He understood when I give a command, it is obeyed. See, faith is when you say something, you believe that it obeys you. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass. In other words, believe it will obey you. You'll have anything you say. Faith is authority, and authority is faith. They work as twin brothers. This man said, when I tell them to go, they go. Now, if you say to that sickness, go, it will obey you. That is great faith. And Jesus said, I've never seen it anywhere. And he says in verse 13, go your way as you have believed or according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Amen. And the servant was healed the selfsame hour. And I saved the best one for last in Mark chapter 7, verse 24. You're not tired, are you, my brothers and sisters? Mark chapter 7, I'm almost done. Mark, well, I'll say that just to make you all feel encouraged. Mark chapter 7 and verse 24. And from thence he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house. This is an outside of Israel. This is in the, this is quote unquote the sinner world. It's not the Jewish world. It's the Gentile world. And entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hidden. For a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, she was demon possessed, heard of him. And came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. She's not a Jew. Jesus was not sent to any other nation but the Jews. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said, let the children first be filled. In other words, the Jews. I come for the Jews. It is not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He's not trying to insult her. What he's trying to say is, you are not a Jew. You are not part of the family. I am not sent to help you. I'm sent to help the house of Israel. And this lady, even though she was unsaved, was not going to take no for an answer. And if you're unsaved and you don't know God, you can also decide you're not going to take no for an answer. It's up to you. The centurion was an unsaved man and he got his healing. And this lady did and both of them would have turned their hearts to God afterward because they saw his goodness. That would have led them to repentance. And she answered, now watch the masterful answer. She didn't get offended. She said, you're right, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. I may be less, I may not be your mission, but I can at least have a crumb, can I? Because the dog gets a crumb. And a crumb of healing is all I need. Your power is so strong, just a tiny bit will take care of my daughter. Oh, and Jesus likes that, Jenny. And he says to her, for this saying, in other words, because of your faith, the devil has gone out of your daughter. Then she went into her house and she found the devil gone out and her daughter lying peacefully upon the bed. God loves to heal unsaved people. Of course, he wants to save his own children because you're, you, you're, his, you're his covenant children. But I just, tonight I'm focusing on people that don't know God, that are not Christians, that are not born again. Maybe they're in another religion. I want them to know, Jennifer, that God loves them even if they don't yet love him. And he wants to heal them and he wants to help them. And that centurion didn't, wasn't part of the church, so to speak, and he wasn't religious and he wasn't a Christian, so to speak, or a Jew, but God healed him and his servant. And that Syrophoenician woman, she wasn't the mission, but God healed because they had great faith. Faith can accomplish anything. If an unbeliever will simply believe, meaning if a non-Christian, we call them unbelievers, but if a non-Christian can simply believe like that Syrophoenician woman and that centurion, if they can simply believe, God can do something. I was in India, went to Nagpur. You can look, it's the central part of this country, and then went six hours by Jeep into the jungles I was the first white man that had ever been there ever, ever in the history of that part of the, <laughs> I'm truly a pioneer, at least in that part happy because the children would run up to me and touch my hair and then run away. And I said to the translator, Aubrey, my, the, the guide and the leader and the pastor and the translator, I said, what are they doing? Hey, they said, you're the first white man that's ever been to this village ever in the history of India. And I, that was village after village after village after village after village. There are tens of thousands of villages in India that have never heard the gospel. Totally isolated. I'm serious. They need to hear. And this man was, had got at least one person in each of these villages saved 
but the vast majority weren't. And in the malaria, there was a malaria outbreak and there were people dying by the hundreds. And the doctors were heli-backed out because the malaria outbreak was so strong. And I'm just a kid, but God said, you go. I'll be with you. I'll protect you from that. And so I was there, and, and I wasn't afraid because I knew God was with me. But, you know, you think, talk about COVID. You have not seen a malaria outbreak. You guys worry about your silly masks. My God, just wait till you get into a real war zone where they're dying everywhere around you and the mosquitoes are flying around you. And you, I mean, you, I didn't have my malaria pills. I, I had no protection in the natural, except I had something called the power and the blood of Jesus was covering me and protecting me. And I never took that sickness. And I knew I wouldn't because God told me to go. But I would go, I want you to know, because I'm talking about unsaved people getting healed. I'd go into a village. Usually there was about between 60 and 100 people in the average village. There might be one or two, three or four, maybe five at the most that formed a little house church that were born again. And I'd go to their house and then the little children would come and I would tell the children, I said to the pastor, Aubrey, I said, can I, can I address the, the village? He said, yes, of course. And I would tell, he would tell the children in the language, go and tell them the white man has come from across the sea. And they would run to the village and tell everybody in the fields, the white man has come from across the sea. And they've never seen a white person so the whole village would gather. And many of them were sick. Many of them were dying of malaria. Not all, but many. And I remember village after village, I would stand there just on, just on the dirt. There's no, there's no pulpit. There's no, nothing fancy. There's no catchers <laughs> in case people fall down under the power of God. You have to kind of catch yourself or you just let them go. Praise God. But I remember I stood there and this happened in multiple villages. But I would, and I would just start very simple because these people don't know anything. They don't even know really what the Bible is. So you have to say very simple things to them or they can't understand. And I would start by saying, I have come to bring you a message today. And then they translate. Maybe happy you should come and practice so that the people know what it sounds like. Why don't you come and let's do that together right now. Come on. Come on. Because I can tell some of them are getting a bit bored. And so just, just, just come. And just, just for a couple of seconds. Just for a couple of seconds, okay? Are you ready? You do have the anointing today, don't you, brother? Yes, sir. Okay. I have come from across the sea to bring you a message. I'm telling you, it sounds just like that. I'm telling, you the, I'm telling you the truth. It sounded just like that. That's what I would say. And they, and they would look at me. And I would say, I know that you don't believe in my God. You have your own God. But I want you to know something. If your God could heal you, why don't you heal? And then they'd look at me. Okay, you don't have to try to take And, and as I'd start, but the anointing, to, the anointing would come on me to do that. And then the Hindu priests were, were always behind the people at the back by their shrines and by their gods. And they would start, I could see they would start to get agitated. Like, like they, and some of them would actually jump like this and pronounce curses on me while they were jumping because I was threatening them. Because everybody in that village was Hindu, yet they're dying of malaria. And those priests got nothing. And so I would say, I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth 2,000 years ago. He lived far away from here. But he is the Savior of the world. And he healed people. And he died on a cross. So that you could believe in him and be saved. And so that you could be healed. And I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to know. I would literally say this. Turn around and look at your priests. You see how angry they are. They're angry because they've got no power. And they can't help you. But Jesus can help you. you will just believe. When I lay hands on you, power will go into you. Power of the living God. Not your idols. Not the God of your priests. But the living God will heal you. And they would be freaking out. And I, that's it. Five minute sermon. Thank you. Give him a hand. God bless you. He did great. Woo, my God, he did good. Makes me want to go back with happy. My God. Short message. Come quickly now if you want God. Run. And they would run, Jenny. And they'd carry the babies and they'd carry people on stretchers. And because they want to see if this is real. 
And, I, and listen, these people have never had a healing line. They don't know about falling under the power of God. And I just touch them and bang, they go down. And I, I hit their head. I'm like, oh my God. So I had, to, I had to get one of the other pastors to catch. And just, and I'm not trying to, I'm not knocking this. The power of God was so strong, they couldn't stand. Boom, boom, boom. And they get up healed. And they get up healed. And they get up healed. And entire villages were healed. Of, entire villages were healed of malaria. And these are people that had never uttered the name of Jesus in their life. They were not saved. They were not Christians. They were, no, they were Hindus. But they just believed that a God loved them enough to send a preacher. And if they could just believe simply as a child, God's power would show them that he's real. And they brought up one baby I'll never forget. It's a baby, baby, maybe six months old. And the, and the way he said through the translator, she's crying. Put your hand, put your hand. And so I touched her. I'm telling you that baby, it was at least, a, it, that was 106, 107. I've never felt human skin that hot in my life. You know, you can die. A little baby can die with that kind of temperature. I mean, it was super high. And, the, and I asked the guy, I said, he said, this is advanced stage malaria. She'll be dead in less than an hour. That's what the pastor told me. He said, I see this everywhere. When they get to this place, they're dead in less than an hour. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing medical science could do. Even medical science was there. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, lay your hands on her. And I said, watch. And I put my hand on that little baby real gentle. And I said, I curse that sickness. I curse malaria by the blood of Jesus. And I say, be healed. And I did, I, sometimes I feel power coming out of my hand. Other times I don't. I didn't that time. But I just, and I was going to move on. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, watch, wait. And I watched about 30 seconds. Didn't seem like anything was happening. But I'm just, the baby just lying there, kind of like comatose. And I put my head back on her head, little girl. I put my head back on her and she was as cool as my skin is today. And she opened her eyes and began to cry. And the mother's crying. And the pastors are crying. And all the other people that were gathered around, they're crying. The Hindus are crying. Yeah. And then once, once, once I prayed and the people are healed, I do that first. And then I say, would you like this Jesus? Would you like, we're not against the priests. Priests, would you like it? But these people, you can't fake them anymore. You can't lie to them anymore. They've seen real power. They've seen that Jesus can move. And I would say, who wants to give your heart and let Jesus come in and see this three or four people here? You can join this church and this is going to be your pastor and he's going to teach you about the Bible and about Jesus. And the whole village would put their hand up. And, the, and many times I'd pray and they'd get filled with the Holy Ghost. Other times I wouldn't. And they, but it's, it's amazing. It was just amazing. It's like frontier pioneer ministry. Man, I long for it. I long for it. But I say that story because I want people to know that Jesus loves healing people that don't know God. Amen. He's not just for Christians. We are his children. He wants you to become his child by receiving him. But he will heal you to show you how much he loves you so that you want to come and be his child. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. As I close, I want to read you a scripture. Mark John chapter 3. John chapter 3, that was a great job, Pastor Happy. John chapter 3, where am I? Praise the Lord. Verse 14, John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, Jesus, be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you die, you go to heaven, but when you're alive on this planet, you can also have heaven on earth. You can be healed. Yes. Now that, you know, said Moses lifted up the serpent. I won't read it, but it's in the book of Numbers chapter 21. And what they did is they were complaining, the Israelites and the snakes came and were biting and hundreds and hundreds, thousands were dying. And the people said to Moses, help us, help us. And so God said to Moses, get a snake, make it of brass or bronze and put it on a pole and put the snake up. The, the medical symbol that you see on the back of ambulances came from that. It's a snake on a pole. And he said, put up that snake on a pole, make it brass and let anybody that looked at it, that they were healed of their snake bite. And now God says, as Moses lifted up that snake, 
so must Jesus be lifted up. Where was Jesus lifted up? On the cross. The pole was the cross, symbolic of the cross. And the brass or the bronze always speaks symbolically of judgment. God put Jesus on that cross and he poured all the judgment and sin and sickness of all the world on Jesus on that pole. He became, he wasn't just covered with it, he became sin. He became sickness. That's why God couldn't even look at him and he had to turn away. And that's why Jesus had to go down to hell and pay our price in this realm and that realm. And when he rose again, he was the first born again man and he rose so that every human being could be born again, escape hell, escape sickness and live free. But he was that snake that was put on that pole. He became, are you listening to me, my my friend? He became sick for you. He became your cancer. He became your tuberculosis. He took it. You don't have to take it anymore. All you have to do is say, I agree, Jesus. You took it. Help me. Help me. Praise God. There was this place I went to. Put, and you're going to see it on live stream, but put this screen up here so you can see what I'm talking. You see handsome Pastor Craig there? I say it by faith. Glory to God. This is in Colmar, Alice, France, right on the border of Germany. And I went there in, 15, in, 19, in 2017, the fifth, 500th year anniversary of Martin Luther's Reformation. That's in another part of Germany. But I went to this place because that's the original painting there. And that was painted by a guy named Matthias Grunveld in 1516. So that was 501 years, you know, before I was standing there. 505 years ago now. And basically, I want to read you. Go, go to the next picture, please, so you can see a better picture of it. I want to read you this. It says, it was painted for the monastery of St. Anthony in Eisenheim near Colmar, France, which specialized in hospital work and tending people who had suffered from a disease called St. Anthony's fire or ergotism, which was a disorder caused by eating spoiled rye. It produced painful symptoms, including intestinal disorders, gangrenous limbs, and hallucinations. Treatment for the sick often included amputating their limbs. The Antonine monks of the monastery were noted for their special care of plague sufferers as well as their treatment of skin diseases. The image of the crucified Christ. Now put the next picture up so you can see it more clearly. Do you see that? See what Grunfeld painted? The people that had St. Elmo's fire ergotism, their lips would turn green. You see how they painted green lips? Go to the next picture. Look at his legs. You see how he's put pop marks and there's a green tinge to it? Go back one picture so you can see the face again. Let me say, the image of the crucified Christ is pitted with plague-type sores. And the altarpiece stood high on the high altar of the monastery of the church, where it would be seen by both monks and the sick alike. The encyclopedia states that the monks were, quote, showing patience that Jesus understood and shared their affliction. But historical theologians say it's much more than that. I quote, any monk interested in running a hospital for the purpose of healing the sick rather than just a hospice to care for the dying would by virtue of this painting's content be intentionally bringing scriptural revelation to the sick. In other words, these hospitals didn't just care for the sick. They were trying to heal the sick. The painting wasn't to comfort. It was to heal. Quote, unquote, this is a historical theologian speaking. The fact that Grunewald painted Christ with the exact sores that the sufferers at the hospital would have had indicates that even more strongly they were trying to help the people to become healed. Now, I want you to know before the word of faith movement, before before all the stuff that we know today, A man painted, a man saw the disease. He saw people dying. He saw them being amputated with their limbs. He saw the suffering. He saw the pain. And even with limited revelation, he realized Jesus took it for us. So he said, I'm going to help the sick understand that Jesus took it. And he painted the ergotism on the, on the cross, on Jesus' body on the cross. And they put it high and the people would come in and when they'd see, Jesus took it for me, they would worship and they'd be healed. Amen. It was simple believing. I'm telling you, if you don't know God, one of the ways you can believe is picture 
your cancer, your tuberculosis, your migraines, your blood problem, your tumor, whatever it is, picture it on Jesus on the cross. That's one way that you can, you can start to believe Jesus took it for me, even though I'm not even saved, but he still took it for all humanity. And that includes me, I'm a human. And if I can simply believe that he put it on that cross, God put it on him on that cross for my sake, that his power, because he took it, why should I take it if he already took it? It's like, why would you go to prison if somebody else already done the time? Why would you do that? Why would you suffer if he already took it for you? If you can just see it on him and say, Jesus, let your power, you took it, I don't need to take it. Let your power come, I believe. Let your power come and heal me. When the preacher prays for me, I believe the anointing on his life is going to transmit into my life and the power of God's going to heal me. If you can just simply believe God can do anything, he can heal any sickness and any disease, any of them. As I close, I want to play a little clip for you. It's only one minute and 30 seconds, but it's my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne. And he had a vision one day of Jesus on the cross. And I want you to hear in his own words what Jesus looked like. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 tell us, Surely he had borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and our diseases. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. As a young man in my 30s, I stood in a local church, along with other ushers ready to receive communion. Standing there, I told the Lord, I don't really understand what communion's all about. And all at once, the roof of that church disappeared, and I saw a vision, and I saw Jesus hanging on the cross, and then I saw the words of sickness and disease fly through the air, each one striking him. I saw the words of cancer, tuberculosis, arthritis, and other diseases fly through the air. I saw words of disease that I recognized, in words I didn't recognize. The words came slower at first, then they began to come faster and faster. As each struck him, his whole body jolted and was jarred. I was seeing every sickness and disease being laid on him, and each word struck him, and I saw what the prophet Isaiah saw. He was marred more than any man. He didn't even resemble a man anymore. On him was laid every sickness and disease. As Matthew 8:17 tells us, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Where did he take them? He took them away, away from you and me. My brother and sister, my friend, if you're watching this right now, and for those that are here with me today in this service, if you are sick, I want you to stretch your hands toward the screen. I may not be there in person to lay my hands and touch you like I would normally do, like I did to those people in India. But God is not limited by time or by space. He is not limited by distance. And if you have listened to this simple sermon that I preached to you today, even if you're not a Christian, and you can see from what I've given from the scriptures that simple believing can move God's hand, simple faith, can allow the power, the healing power to flow into your body. Of course, you can call upon it at any time that you want. But right now, in this moment, as you're watching this right now, there is an anointing on my life. Years ago, a heat would come into my hand. I didn't know what it was, but people started to get healed. And all of a sudden, I didn't know, and, I, and, and I, I kind of ignored it for a long time until Dr. Dufresne, the voice you just heard speak, he spoke to me. And he said, I've got that same special anointing in my hand. My, hurt, my hand becomes hot with the power of God. And that's just a simple sign to let the minister know that the power of God is present to heal. And he said, lay your hands on people or speak the word to people and they'll be healed, Craig. And so for 30 years, I've gone all over the world and we've seen, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands upon thousands of people that have been healed of all manners of sickness and all manner of disease. Nothing that you're facing is too hard for God. And no matter what religion you believe in or used to believe in or wherever you're at spiritually, I want you to know that the only one that has true power to heal you is Jesus. If another religion 
religion could, it would have. If your old religion could, it would have, but it hasn't. Medical science runs out after a while, but Jesus never runs out. He can help you today. He can heal you today. He's not mad at you. He poured all of your sin on Jesus. All you have to do is say, I receive you, Lord. And even if you're not ready to say that today and you're not ready to receive Jesus into your heart today, he can still heal you to show you how much he loves you so that your heart will open to him and that you can receive him later as your savior. So I want to pray a simple prayer first for salvation. If you're not ready to pray it, then don't pray it. God can still heal you if you don't. But if you have listened and you've said, I want Jesus to be my friend and my savior. I know that my sin and my sickness was put on him and I want to receive him. I want to let his blood wash me clean so that I can be a Christian too. I want to be a child of God. If that's how you feel, pray this prayer first. Don't shut this video off quite yet because I'm going to pray for the sick whether they're Christians or not. But I want to pray this prayer first. Say after me and congregation, say after me out loud so that they feel like somebody else is agreeing with us. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess that I'm a sinner, that I need your help. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I believe that he's alive and that God raised him from the dead. I say that Jesus is Lord. I call upon your name, Jesus. Save me. Forgive me. Wash me. Take away this blockage that I have between me and God. And let me come into a clear relationship with my Heavenly Father. I thank you that you've saved me today. That I am what the Bible calls born again. And if I die tonight, I know I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Now, whether you prayed that prayer or not, if you can just believe with simple childlike faith, no matter what the doctors have said, no matter how impossible it seems, stretch your hands right now toward the screen. That's your act of faith. That's if you were here, I'd say come to the front. But your act of faith is to stretch your hands. Now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, with this congregation agreeing and praying along with me, you see every life, you see every person, you see their past, you see their present and their future. You know what has brought them to this moment. You know the things that they've done. You know if they've rejected you or if they haven't rejected you. But regardless of their spiritual status right now, you love them. You love them, Lord Jesus. You died for them. While they were yet a sinner, your word says that Christ died for us. Jesus, you love them and you took their sickness. You took their sickness on your body on that tree so that they could be healed. As they stretch their hand toward me right now in simple faith, I say and I release the power of God. I release the power of God. I transmit healing power in the name of Jesus. And I say to every sick one that releases their faith and stretches forth their hand, I say in the name of Jesus, be healed. I say transmission of power, go into their body. I curse sickness. I curse disease. I command it to leave them. Devil, take your hands off them in Jesus' name. I break the power of sickness and the power of darkness and the power of hell and the power of the devil. I break it by the blood of Jesus. I curse that sickness and command it to leave you. And I thank you right now, Father. Power flows. Healing flows. There's a transmission of glorious healing power. Let it flow into their body right now. Whether they feel something tangible or not. Whether they sense a presence or an atmosphere in their room or not. That is not the point. The point is that they believe. Let them believe right now that your power is moving in them. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that it is affecting a healing and it is affecting a cure. Because Jesus, you took it for them that they could be free. You've anointed me with an anointing of healing power that if they can believe like they believed with Dad Hagen, like they believed with you, Jesus, in Nazareth, like they believed when you went other places, if they can just believe today, that anointing of healing power can make all the difference. I thank you that it's flowing in them, whether they feel something tangible or not. I thank you that it's flowing in them right now. 
Now, my brother and my sister, what you need to do to keep that power flowing, every time you think about it, just simply say, you don't have to be weird and legalistic and religious. You don't have to have fancy words and these and thous and thuses. Talk through your own language because God knows you better than you know yourself. And just start to say, thank you, Jesus, for your healing power that's working in me. When you go to sleep tonight, say, thank you, Jesus, for your healing power that's working in me. When you wake up in the morning, whether you feel it or not, say, thank you, Jesus, that your healing power is working in me. And as you keep praising and thanking him, you're keeping the switch of his power turned on. And that healing power is flowing and flowing. It's flowing while you sleep. It's flowing while you wake. And you go back to the doctor and you get your test done and you'll see. If you believe that that power has gone into you, you'll see that it's affected a healing and a cure in your life. Please, if you're not saved and Jesus has healed you, turn your heart over to him. It's one thing to have your body healed of pain and sickness and torment, but it's a whole other thing to die. Close your eyes and never open them again and find yourself in an eternity separated from Jesus. He can heal your body, but that doesn't mean you're saved. You must acknowledge that he took your sin on that cross, that he died and he rose again, and you have to admit and acknowledge that he is your Lord and Savior. If you can say that, Jesus, be my Savior, you're my Lord, then he'll come into your heart. That blood will wash away all that blockage between you and God the Father and you'll have a clear, clear communication with God and you'll be what the Bible calls born again. Then if you die, sick or not, you know your eternity is in heaven with Jesus and you can escape the torments of hell because believe me, hell is very real. Kenneth Hagin went there three times because he wasn't a Christian. And God raised him up three times because his mother was interceding and praying. And on the third time, he cried out to God. He was a Baptist boy and he had been water baptized, but he still wasn't born again because it was just religion to him. It wasn't real. And he cried out, Jesus, be my master. Come into my heart. And God saved him in that microsecond. Hell is very real, but heaven is very real too. Miss hell and gain heaven by becoming saved. But Jesus loves you today and his healing powers working in you, whether you're a Christian or not, he wants to show you how good he is to you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this message today and this sermon. And I'm using my faith for each and every one of you that God's healing power will bring to completion what it has started in this video today. Praise God. God bless you and thank you for watching.